This program is sponsored by Blazing Grace Ministries. This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Set me free. Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here. Welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio, coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona, on a cool day. Um, we're not going to get our 100-degree stuff for a couple more months, I believe. But uh, winter's here, maybe, maybe in the 60s, so there's certainly not like winters in other states where I've lived, like Colorado, where actually I was in Colorado earlier this week, and it was down in the 20s and 30s, snow on the ground. We don't quite see that in the desert. So, um, so I'm going to share recently... I've been asking God, I want to be 100% thoroughly convinced of the authority in Christ that he's been he's given me. And he gives all of us. So if you read Ephesians 1 and 2, he talks about he seated us in Christ in the heavenly places, far above all authority, power, and dominion. We are seated with Christ. And so we have his authority. We have his authority over the demonic realm, we have the authority to shut down the enemy's attacks against us. And part of that, making use of it, I don't, that's not, I don't like that word, but part of living in that authority is having the complete faith that you've been given it. And I exercise it quite often, but there's a part of me that wants to have even more realization and understanding of what that means. So several weeks ago, I was praying, God, I want, would you let work in my spirit so that I have a complete understanding and belief of the authority you've given me. And sometimes the way God's work, God works is he'll give us um, challenges to grow us in that area. So I was reading my Bible one morning, not, not too long ago, it was last week, and I start feeling like I'm being choked. And at first I'm thinking, is this, what is this? Is this, am I getting sick? But then the feeling intensified more and more. And then I understand this was spiritual oppression where something was coming against me and choking me, literally and physically. So then I began to say out loud, in the name of Jesus Christ and in his authority, I command any evil spirits coming against me in any way to stop your work and go where Jesus would send you to go. And as I'm saying that out loud, the uh, halfway into it, the choking got even more intense. So, But I kept going, and by the time I got to the end of that statement, uh, it was done. It left, which showed me I was on the right track. That That was pretty intense you know, demonic attack. And then I thought later, 
sometimes, you know, so if we ask God for uh, more of a graceful heart or maybe patience, he might give us someone that uh, we have to really put that into practice with. He may give, give us somebody who's got a big anger problem or somebody who insults us or somebody like that at work. And then, then now we're relying on God for the power to walk that out. <clears throat> but I really want to key in on the spiritual battle and that, that every single believer who is a blood-bought son or daughter of the living God is going to be going through these days. Maybe you may not be getting physically choked, but the enemy will come against you in other ways. So with shame or guilt or despair or depression or anxiety, he can come against you in all those different ways. Or So we have to equip the believers, we have to equip the body of Christ in how to be spiritual warriors. And this area of authority in Christ is a critical one because if you don't understand that you have that, um, what does that leave you with? So, and there's there's times I pray different ways. There's times when I, I'm going through an attack and, and I've actually taken my authority up and it didn't work. And then I asked God what to do. And I remember there was one time he just said, just start praising me. So then I just started praising him. And and then it left. So not every battle's fought the same. We have to learn how to listen and walk with God in those battles. Just it's the same thing that was modeled for us in the Old Testament, especially when the Israelites were going to battle against their enemies when they inquired of God how to fight. He would show them the way to go, and it wasn't always the same way. Jericho, the Battle of Jericho, is, is an easy um, illustration because who in the heck is going to march around his city seven times? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> but they do it in obedience, and that's another challenge in warfare is obedience. Sometimes God asks us to do something that just sounds out now nuts, and then he brings about the victory or the change or the breakthrough. So we have to learn how to listen to him and to hear his voice and not just rely on ourselves and our wisdom. So every one of you who are blood-bought sons and daughters of the living God, you have his power and authority. You have the Holy Spirit living within you. And I tell believers a lot of the time, you have more spiritual weapons then you probably realize or even understand because we don't always think that when we're getting, you know, wailed on. And maybe 15 or 20 years ago, if I started getting choked, I wouldn't have known what to do. And, uh, you know, sometimes we need more than just another sermon on the armor of God. We need to be taught on how to use that. And and then not every battle is fought the same way. And that goes back to your relationship with him and your prayer time. Right after Ephesians 6, he talks about the armor of God. He talks about praying continually, pray without ceasing. That's from First Thessalonians. Every believer is meant to be devoted to prayer. Prayer is a critical part of spiritual warfare. We have to see it as a priority to equip God's people in the battles they're facing. And every single couple, an individual who comes to us for help is in an intense spiritual firefight. And what really alarms me sometimes <clears throat> is that sometimes 
They know nothing about spiritual warfare. And every once in a while, somebody will say they don't even know if there is such a thing as spiritual warfare. And the dark times we're living in today, how can that be? And a part of that is with too many of our comfort-driven churches don't have the guts to talk about these issues and to equip their people because, you know, we don't want a horror of horrors talk about demons or something like that. Well, that plays right into the enemy's hands. That's like sending your people out to battle in their pajamas, and they're going to get wiped out. And we're in a time where a lot of people are falling away from the church right now, and they don't understand the intense spiritual battle. They don't understand that a lot of the thoughts coming at them are from the enemy and that are not their own. And we live in a time when suicide rates are going up, and who the heck do you think is behind that? Yeah, there can be chemical problems, but the enemy is coming against youth like crazy where suicide is now the number two killer of youth. And it's not a youth problem by far. I mean, I think I mentioned before, I I saw an article where a pastor's wife committed suicide. And these are very intense issues that a lot of people are struggling with. We have to bring this up to the light and equip people and give them discernment and help them to understand the battle that they're facing. So, I uh, last week, I was giving you what I was calling life points for recovery from sexual sin, porn addiction, and really, as I mentioned before, a lot of them are just how to live the Christian life. And if you've never heard of us before, Blazing Grace is a ministry. We help people who struggle with porn addiction, sex addiction, adultery. We offer Zoom meetings, Zoom groups, counseling, uh, and offer a, a conference. So this is a, we have people coming to us from help, literally from all over the world with these issues. And a lot of what I'm giving you is things that come up often in counseling. But like I mentioned too, some of, some of this is just how to live the Christian life and None of this is brain surgery. You don't need a seminary degree to figure this out. You just need the willingness to make some changes. So last week I left off with slow down. So many people are burnt out and tired right now. Slow down. Thin out your schedule where you can. Give yourself time and space to rest. Give yourself time and space to go outside for a walk and just slow down and collect your thoughts and come to that place of rest. You remember back when the days of Isaac in the Old Testament and one thing that always caught my eye was that when there was a verse that said when Isaac would go out into the field at night to meditate, that's a prime picture of what we need right now. A lot of us is not to turn our phone off, the TV off, and just to go outside. God, I just want to rest with you right now. I want to hear your voice and and soak it in. So resting is critical. Slowing down is critical. Silence heals. In Psalm 62, he says at verse 1, My soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. And then go down to verse 5. He says the same thing again. My soul, 
wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. Do you remember how Jesus prepared for ministry? The example he gave us, it was not time in the temple or a Bible college. It was 40 days alone in pure silence in the desert. If you've been to the desert, you know how incredibly quiet it can be. And back 2,000 years ago, there were no cars or airplanes or nothing. So it would have been just pure, unadulterated silence. So what Jesus had during those 40 days was silence and prayer and God. And that's it. And silence, my friends, heals. If you want to know where your heart is, sit alone for an hour in silence and rest with God, and have some time in prayer and worship. What will happen is your emotions will start bubbling up to the surface, and you'll see real quick where you are. So if you're empty, if you're burnout, if your heart is crusty, if your heart is hard, in silence, all that comes to the surface. But I think a lot of us avoid silence because we know deep down we do not want to face who we are. We don't want to face our emotions. We don't want to face whatever, depression, discouragement, anxiety, or, or fear. And so we keep ourselves running and running and running and going so we don't have to face the most terrifying person in the universe, which is the self. But silence is where we allow God to heal, where he comes in and touches those hard, empty, dry places. And I cannot encourage you enough to slow down and to rest in silence and make prayer a priority. So the next life point, face your emotions when I got hooked on porn uh, for years after my emotions would scare me and I would do everything I could to avoid them and uh, I hear a lot of other men say that they felt like when they started binging on porn is when they started dying inside, they started losing their heart. They started, uh, they stopped developing socially. Intimacy became a fearful thing. Connection with others became hard. So part of the healing process can be to facing our emotions, facing our heart, facing pain. This is a big one, the facing pain part. And we... We live in a culture that does screams at us to do everything you can to medicate pain. And this is where porn can come in or whatever sexual sin is that we can use it to try and medicate or stifle the screaming pain, the wounds that are inside of our heart that have been untouched. Face pain. And so today my approach is totally different. When something painful comes up, I embrace it. I didn't say it's fun, <laughs> but I embrace it because I've learned that there's good pain and there's bad pain. And the good pain is where God wants to do and work in my heart. He wants to teach me something. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring a wound to the surface. And all those things are great steps towards healing and wholeness. So sometimes God will start knocking on your heart and saying, I want, I want to deal with this now. Don't run from it. Don't run to a pack of Oreo cookies. Don't run to a bottle of alcohol. Don't run and thinking sexual sin is going to soothe that. 
stay where you are and let God minister to you and bring the truth to the light. A lot of our journey is learning how to walk with him and letting him have his way in our life and in our heart, and he will expose things that are painful. But that's good because when God exposes things that are painful, he does it to heal. And when he convicts us of sin, it's always to heal and restore. When Satan attacks, he attacks with condemnation. So discern between what you're going through. Is it condemnation or is it conviction of sin? Condemnation is like a sledgehammer meant to destroy you with despair or discouragement or hopelessness. You're a failure or whatever barbs he throws at you. But conviction is like a razor-sharp scalpel that the God uses, and he touches only the area of sin with it. And he does it very gently for the purpose of healing and restoration with him and renewal. So pain is not something to run from. It's a signal that God wants to show us something. So embrace it. Next slide point, soak in God's word. And and at first I thought, what do I even need to mention this for? This, This should be, you know, like Bible or Christianity 101. But there's a lot of people that don't spend any time in God's word and I saw one survey the American Bible Society did where that I think it was even 5 or 10% of Americans read the Bible every day. So that's beyond tragic. That's dangerous because now you put yourself prone to uh, being more influenced by the world and the lies of this world than the truth. And the only place you're going to find that truth is in the Bible. So we have to soak in it. Soak our mind and our spirit and our soul and our emotions in God's word every single day. This is a big way we get to know him. But let me ask you, when you read read the Bible, what is your approach? Some people treat it like a textbook or like a doctrine study. When I read the Bible, the words soak into my spirit and my emotions and my soul. It's like, God is breathing into my heart. Do you encounter God when you read the Bible? Is he speaking to you through it? Or is it just kind of some cognitive exercise? If it's a cognitive exercise, you're missing the whole point. What was the greatest command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. The heart's up first. Mind and soul. The heart. Where's your heart today? Where's your heart with God's word? Are you hungry for him? And But scripture reading is so very critical. And if, if there are really 90% of Christians that don't read the Bible every day, that's almost a crisis. And you have to wonder what the heck is going on that so many of you will go to church and then just like set the whole, set the Bible aside. What is going on here? And part of it is we just don't challenge anyone anymore because we don't make people uncomfortable. But you need this so very desperately How can you know how to armor up for spiritual battle if you're never in this word? How do you know that he would fill you with the finest of wheat, as he said in the book of Psalms, if you're not in his word? How could you know? You ignore so many blessings when when you're not spending time in the Bible. Next slide point, personal worship. So you want to make your your life about worship. 
Begin your morning not by turning on the phone. Keep the phone off when you first wake up. Great thing to do as soon as you wake up, just start praising God and thanking him for the gift of life, thanking him for good health. You've got a roof over your head. You've got food to eat. Just start praising him, thanking him for the cross, for forgiveness of sins. And they found that giving thanks lights up the brain, so it actually changes your mood if you wake up and start praising God and thanking him. This is a big thing. But it's making a big mistake if the first thing you reach for in the morning is your dopamine hit on the phone. Do not do that. Next, life point, practice contentment. Boy, we live in a a time when we're bombarded constantly with buy this, buy that. Amazon is like the new... um, and people are a lot of people are online shopping. I'm not saying this well. Online shopping is one of the new drugs a lot of people are addicted to. It's so easy to get caught up in flipping around in Amazon and contentment. And this is one of the things that porn goes against because the message is your wife or your husband is not enough. So you need to be looking at pictures of other naked people. Contentment goes against pornography and against sexual lust. Contentment says, I will be content, Lord, with the spouse you've given me. And then beyond that, I'll be content, Lord, with the things you've given me today. I will be content with the clothing you've given me today. I don't need uh, another T-shirt or, or whatever it is. I don't. There's so many things we buy we really don't need. And the thing is, the th- more stuff we own, the more it owns us and the more time we spend dealing with it or it gets in our way contentment. God, you are enough for me. You are the source of my life, not things. And thank you for my spouse, God. Thank you for the wife you've given me. The next life point, time in nature. Being out in nature heals. Just go out for a walk and watch the sunrise or watch the sunset. Um, There's times I'm just wiped out at the end of the day and I'll go in the backyard and Hang out and watch the sun go down, and that soothes my soul. Screens do not soothe the soul. They just keep the mind hooked on dopamine hits. So get out and take walks outside. Breathe the fresh air. Get out of the house. Go to a park and and slow down and walk and enjoy God's creation. Next life anchor. Pursue your spouse or life point. I call them life anchors sometimes in counseling. There are many times in a marriage where pornography reverses the sex drive where the man begins to desire porn and hunger for porn more than he does his wife, which is just totally insane because looking at pictures and masturbating them it will never, ever satisfy. The only Sex that satisfies is that in a marriage between one man and one woman. And I've had people in my office, a couple, where the man literally has a blank look on his face and the wife is frustrated saying, I want to have sex with my husband, but he's like he's like a blank. And this is one of the, the effects of pornography. It destroys the hunger for what is good. So pursue your spouse. Have sex with your spouse. And, you know, you got a marriage healing from adultery and pornography, 
that's not always a simple thing to say because healing of the heart is needed on both sides. But the thing is you still want to be moving toward lighting up your marriage bed. The marriage bed should be set on fire maybe once a week. But, I mean, this is where God says it's good. This is where God says have at it. This is where God says in Proverbs, let the wife of your youth, let her breasts exhilarate you at all times. This is where married couples should be lighting it up. But so many marriages are sexless these days, and they don't understand what this stuff has done for you to them. And so husbands pursue your wives, and wives go after your husband. Um, they will make a difference when you do this. And the last one I have time for today is embrace, embrace your true identity. So... As a son or daughter of God, your primary identity is son or daughter of the living, the living God. You're a beloved son, a beloved daughter, blood-bought, and you are God. You belong to him. You do not identify yourself by your sin. And wives, you do not identify yourself by your husband's sin. So that's what I have time for today, my friends. And let us hear from you. And thank you for joining us. And we'll talk to you next time. Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, Visit us at blazinggrace.org, email us at email at blazinggrace.org, or call the office at 719-888-5144. This program was sponsored by Blazing Grace Ministries.